got to say, Wes, that lead-in song makes me think of, like, I feel like I should be having a cocktail on the back porch right now. Obviously, we will not be doing that. We'll be here for the next two hours with the training camp. At least for two hours we'll be. Yeah. Until we're we're doing that. (laughs) I am uh, Dale Lolly here with, uh, you just heard, Matt Williamson. And, of course, we're also joined by Mike Pursuta of the uh, DVE Morning Show, also of the Steelers Radio Network here in this first hour. And uh, how you doing, Mike? I could be on the back porch. You very well could be. You are not here with us. Physically, we have been, well, I've, I've spent more time in the iHeart Studios this year than you have. Probably true. And I've spent more time in my basement than I care to calculate, but it has been a lot. I've been sitting at this desk, it feels like, for four months, and the seasons change. You know, it goes from not baseball season to now it's hockey season and it's baseball season and it's almost football season. When is it Fiddler and, Crab uh, season or uh, Wabbit season? <laughs> That's probably right around the corner. They're still trying to work out the COVID testing to see if it's safe to go in the woods. I could use a little Fiddler Crab season right now. Shoot me, I'm a Fiddler Crab. Um, but, uh, Mike, we had uh, – and I, I know that you've been sitting at your desk every day at home in your basement because I see you on Zoom calls every day at home in front of your desk or at your desk in your basement. Uh, I feel like I've spent a lot of time in your basement as well, Uh, but we had uh, a couple of guys today on uh, Zoom calls, one being Steven Nelson, the other being Terrell Austin, and uh, lots of interesting stuff to come out of those conversations. Yeah, and uh, in particular, uh, I, I enjoyed uh, hearing uh, Terrell Austin because I'm always a little bit more interested in what the coaches have to say at this point. And the discussion isn't related to Minka Fitzpatrick. What can they do to get him more involved and keep teams from throwing away from him as they did at the end of last year, but also how valuable he is as that center fielder uh, on the back end of the defense and how they're certainly not going to get away from that. Uh, because he's really good at that, too. And even when he's not intercepting the ball, he's impacting the game and, and keeping the lid on things. So that was uh, I thought that was some pretty interesting stuff. But I'm curious to see what they come up with and how many uh, roles they think Minka Fitzpatrick can play. Yeah, I don't expect this to be, uh, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick like uh, Eddie Murphy in the clumps where he plays everybody. Uh, but uh, whatever that movie's name was, Nutty Professor, pick one of those goofy Eddie Murphy movies where he plays everybody in the movie. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do expect them to expand Minka Fitzpatrick's role a little bit this year. And, you know, they, they've always at least paid lip service to the fact that their safeties are interchangeable. That's not always been the case. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the case it's now not, either. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you gotta, I don't know that the answer to getting uh, Terrell Edmonds' interceptions is just putting him in center field. Right. No, no, that's not going to help him. At the same time, I think, you know, look, I I ran through their their numbers against the tight end last year, and they were much, much better than they had been in previous years. And Edmonds was a big part of that. Um, He is good at, you know, getting into position in coverage. Uh, What he is not good at is actually completing – the, the interception yeah, when, the he, when he does takeaway, right. yeah when he has it's almost like the Seinfeld skit with the uh, with the, the reservations, reservations. Right. you can, can take, take the, the reservation, reservation. <laughs> but you can't keep the reservation that's, yeah, that's an important that's aspect of the reservation really the most important part <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the interception he's in position to make a lot of interceptions to make a lot of plays on the football but he hasn't made those plays as of yet 
He's got to pick it up that way, doesn't he? I mean, I hear some talk about him. Uh, well, you know, and, and Matt, I think you brought this up the other day. If he wasn't a first-round pick, there wouldn't be such expectation. Well, you're right, there wouldn't, but he was, and there is. No. And he also, also, I think he's kind of a victim of that defense in a way. Everybody else is so damn productive and splashy. He's he's the weak link, and I'm not saying he's a weak player by any stretch of the imagination. Who do we get mad at? We gotta get mad at him. Yeah, they gotta. The yeah, Steelers right. have to be mad at somebody. Somebody has to stink. Somebody always has to. If, if they give up a touchdown, it has to be somebody's fault. It's never the other team making a good play. It's always somebody on the Steelers' defense uh, making a bad one that somehow leads to a touchdown. And you can't be mad at Bud anymore. He was yeah, he Bud's, for a while. You know, right, Artie yeah. Burns isn't here anymore. Right, right. Can't be mad at Bud anymore because he's being he's been productive. So somebody's got to pay the price, and right now that guy's Terrell Edmonds. And his name came up as well with uh, Terrell Austin, and he said, you know, to summarize, he basically likes everything about his game except the ball production. And I think uh, I'm quoting – Terrell verbatim here, he said, uh, we know it, he knows it, it's got to get better. So uh, they'll, they'll be working on that, and uh, I'm sure they are working on that uh, to whatever degree they can. I did watch a little video. Uh, I was curious because you guys have been talking about it. Matt, I did see Ben Roethlisberger actually complete a pass. There you he go. Threw, ah, there he, you threw, go. He, threw, he threw a fade to James Conner at the back of the end zone, touchdown, cue renegade, wave the flags, <laughs> bring out the extra point team. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that defense had a real good year last year, but it, it certainly can get better. And one way that it might is if it gets a little more production out of the uh, Terrell Edmonds position. Well, think about this, Mike, and I made note of this in, in the story that I wrote uh, today for DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, they had 20 interceptions last year. Uh, 10 of those came from Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick. Their other two starters in the secondary combined for one. Hmm. Nelson, Nelson and Edmonds have one. That doesn't, you know, so even if you two get two, you guys get three. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they can, you know, increase their production there, certainly they can get, you know, perhaps more, maybe they can't get the fumbles that they got last year. That that's, that's more fluky. Yeah. They also had a little bit of fumble luck. Yeah. They had some, they they got a higher percentage. Yeah. They got a higher percentage. They recovered more of those than, uh, than, you know, the, the league average. But I think interceptions can be can be made year to year. I think that's something that holds up, especially when you when you create pressure the way that they do. They do. They do that really well. That's why when they weren't getting turnovers, it was always kind of a well. Why isn't this happening more? Because, really? Yeah. Because they were getting the pressure. And you figure some of the time you're going to hit the quarterback and knock it out of his hand, and some of the time he's going to throw it early or throw it under duress, and and you're going to get your picks that way. But yeah, I mean Terrell Edmonds zero ints. What was that? Uh, I think I got an email, and uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I think also did. not not to be overlooked, his brother Trey Edmonds only had one interception on punt defense, and I think that's got that number's got to go way up. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of generating, I remember those years because I'd go on Stan and Madden and all those times. Why can't they get more more turnovers and? It's a tough thing to wrap your head around because there's certainly some luck involved and the other team has to screw up in some fashion. But I do think they have the components. Like, if I could have anything to start, you know, getting the ball taken away, it'd be a pass rush. Well, they obviously have that. Then I'd want team speed. Well, they obviously have that. Maybe get an extra helmet to the ball carrier or the ball's on the ground and you get there faster than the people around you. And then lastly, sometimes you can, you know, create them with scheme. And I don't think that the the scheme is a, a problem by any means. So I, I'd be shocked if it doesn't, you know, at least stay 
in the neighborhood. And I know causing fumbles is a little random, but boy, T.J. Watt is remarkable at doing it. He's got a real knack for not only forcing the fumble, but like just taking the ball off of the quarterback. Right, like I'm going to take that from you. Yes. It reminds me of Big Brother with a swat. I'm going to take your lunch down. money. And, right, right, yeah. right. I mean, just batting down passes. They both have this unique trait that they've obviously worked on that they're exceptional at. Yeah, the uh, defensive hat trick, right? The uh, sack strip fumble recovery. Uh, Watt had at least one of those last year. Bud Dupree had at least one of those last year. But, you know, getting back to the interception thing, uh, Mickey Fitzpatrick did a fan call today uh, with, with the what they call the Steelers Nation Unite Huddle, and they make people available periodically to for the fans to call in and talk to them. And he was asked about how many interceptions he's going to get this year, and he said six or seven because he thought he let a couple get away last year. Hmm. And he also talked about last year. I forget this guy's only been in the league two years. I mean, he's the same draft class as uh, Terrell Edmonds. Right, right. Um, he said that was the first time he played pretty much exclusively deep safety. And he thinks there's a lot to learn about the nuances of that position, which he has been working on ever since last year. And uh, he also talked about honing his craft, as he put it, when he watched tape of himself, he thought he was a little flat-footed too often, and he's trying to get a little lower and be a little more explosive coming out of breaks, and he thinks that can be impactful as well. So he's he's not uh, sitting back with his feet up saying, yeah, I fit right in. The rest <laughs> of you guys pick it up. I mean, he's he's intending to build on last year, not live off of it. Yeah, no doubt, Mike. And, and think about, you know, if, if he makes a similar – uh, push forward in the way that the TJ Watt did from year two to year three. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and it's certainly the potential and is it there. Is potential, like you said. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a 23 year old player who, you know, there were guys in this year's draft who were younger than him. So he got thrown into this team in the middle of the season too. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something that you know season. that, that uh, when we when we talked to Terrell Austin, he you know made note of. He says, "Look, when when we got him, we didn't throw a whole lot at him because he was just." You know, he Get didn't have any time with us, yeah, and, right. and and so this year they they may feel like they're a little more capable of using him him in in some different ways, and and you know allowing the, the guys around him to uh, you know to kind of mix it up a little bit, and, and so um, you know this defense could be better if they're you know if they weren't capable last year of of doing everything in the playbook because he wasn't up to speed yet. Uh, what's it going to be like this year when they can start throwing everything out there? Yeah, and what yeah. I think is interesting – I'm sorry, Mike, but what I think is interesting no, okay. about that with Mika is deep middle safeties are hard to find, period. So even if he just Earl, Tom, Earl Thomas's it or Ed Reed's it, those other ten guys on the field get dramatically better with his presence. They can take more risks. It's like having a great goalie behind you. I can step up in the play. I, I can – you know, I, I know this guy is going to save my butt if I, if I miss a tackle or if I go for this ball that's not there. And the, the Seahawks teams, that was really, really obvious. So I would still have him do that a massive percentage of the time. But maybe on Monday night, he walks down and plays bump and run with Evan Ingram. Yeah. You know, like they didn't see that coming. They haven't you know, seen right, yeah, right, they, right. They, they haven't shown that at all. Now the Giants, Daniel Jones is going, oh, hey, what? Right, the, right. You know. And who's going who's to cover him in the deep middle? Or, you know, I mean, who, who, and, and the, all the, 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 ramifications that come after that too you know all of a sudden now i don't know where everybody's at it's a really good point although i'm not sure deep middle safeties are hard to find cordell stewart found them all the time <laughs> oh, <laughs> about a thing. 
But uh, Minka was talking, Dale, to your point about, uh, you know, the, the simplified role. He, he said he was asked why he fit in so seamlessly with the Steelers. And he said, they simplified it for me. They weren't worried about me making mistakes. They said, go out there, have fun, fly around, do what you do. Now, he said as the weeks went by, that became a little more refined the longer he was here. But it was still uh, the vast majority of the time, figure it out as you go along. And I think they're, you know, they're way ahead of that now and will be in September. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we, we talk about this quite a bit on our show, Mike, that, you know, fans need to understand, like, what, pro, what in-season practices are like. They've got basically three of them each week. And those practices are all geared towards getting ready for winning the next the opponent, winning that next <laughs> yeah. game. There's no time to develop – uh, you know, the backup or third-string quarterback. There's no time to necessarily spend a lot of time with, with a new guy saying, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to do nothing but this pra- in this practice, but work with Minka on doing this. That doesn't happen. Let's work on your angles. Yeah. Let's work on the finer they, points of it. They just have, they have three practices. They're geared towards getting ready for the next opponent and what they need to do to beat that opponent, and that's it. And what's interesting about that position, too, is just think of your eyes. I mean, you have to have ultimate zone eyes where you really see – 21 people on the field you don't have a small little area you're not reading one little key you're not trying to beat the guy in front of you I mean you have to try to train yourself to really big picture it in terms of what you're looking at yeah and uh he just seems like a natural at that too doesn't he uh yeah really uh a guy who embraced playing at Alabama and obviously they do a heck of a job you know they don't just get five stars they turn them into all Americans and uh championship type players and uh, he he is a guy who seems to be wise beyond his years football-wise, but uh, he's got the the physicality of a 23-year-old kid. Yeah, uh, so that, that part of it's only going to get better as he continues to mature. And uh, it, it's very interesting that, that, uh, that, you know, they do have those two young first-round safeties from the same class. Um, you know, you think about – Minka Fitzpatrick, and then Derwin James was the next safety selected, and right. then it was Terrell Edmonds. I mean, that's you know, uh, they got they got guys that if they if they're able to to get out of Terrell Edmonds what they hope to get out of Terrell Edmonds, um, they could have a nice safety tandem if they can afford to keep them both around for a, you know the long term for a good long time. Yeah, nobody thinks long term anymore, Dale. Long term's next week. That's true. That's true. You can't think long-term anymore. Hey, I'm looking forward to next week, though. Next week we're actually going to get to see what's happening over at Heinz Field as opposed to just watching it on video or talking to guys strictly via Zoom. We'll still do that, but we'll actually have some things that we can you know, potentially ask them about that doesn't involve uh, – you know, things that we we could have talked about all throughout the offseason. We'll have an opportunity to see these had guys. Had we been able to cover the offseason. Had, had we been able to do so. And we, maybe we won't hear any more questions about, uh, were, you know, were you, were you nervous at all about coming back to play with because of what's going on here? Mm-hmm. That's like a stock question. I'm not ripping on anybody. That I guess the question has to be asked, but I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to talk football. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, you know, hopefully it's run its course. I, I, I can see it you know, in proper context this week. But, uh, yeah, next week it's time to – It's time to strap it up. It's time to go. Yeah, Yeah. time to go. He is Mike Bursuta. I'm Dale Lally. That's uh, Matt Williamson over there. Uh, We are the uh, Training Camp Report crew here. Uh, We'll be with you from 6 to 8. Mike, of course, will jump out at 7 o'clock, and Matt and I will finish off the show. Uh, We've got plenty to get to today. 
Uh, we finally have some clarity when it comes to college football. We'll talk a little bit more about that next. Uh, but uh, you are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. And we are back with the training camp report. As uh, we referenced in the previous segment, the uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have uh, opted to not play football in the uh, in the fall this year. That is now uh, official. Uh, it looks like at this point, um, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 all looking like they are still want to play. Uh, that means that uh, we could see pit football this year. We could see. West Virginia football this year. In fact, you know, if, if West Virginia could have a full stadium. Yeah. They could because, you know, if, you, if you're only going to allow people in who are, you know, relatives, everybody <laughs> in the state of West Virginia, they're all relatives, right? The, the Pitt fan making a full stadium joke. That's right. <laughs> I wondered, wondered where you were going with that. Now, to be yeah. uh, transparent here, uh, for you listening wherever you're listening, Dale was telling state. us during the break. He had it on a tee, and he was ready to boot it through the uprights. <laughs> he massaged it a little over the break like he was going out on stage with it. Well done. Well played, Mr. Lolly. Yeah. Although I, I like what Wes said, too. Pit guy, you know, making a full stadium joke. Pretty funny. That's all right. I'd rather have a full stadium and a full, a full mouth of teeth. <laughs> Relatives only. Now, now, Dale, you know, there's people listening from all over. To these I just, I, I love our fans in West Virginia. Uh, we we, yeah. we appreciate them, uh, but it's all in fun. Um, <laughs> anyways, so. You know, I, you know, just to, I told you guys I was on that Make a Fitzpatrick uh, Steelers Nation Unite huddle today. There yes. were callers from North Carolina, South Carolina, New Jersey, Missouri, Alaska, <laughs> Alabama, Louisiana, New York, Hawaii, and even managed to sneak in one from Pennsylvania on a Steelers call. <laughs> awesome. It just, I mean, it, it, it's not surprising at all, Mike. I mean, you, you've been going on the road with this team for a long time, as as have I. And, um, you know, we see massive crowds, um, not just at the stadiums on game days when the Steelers are on the road, but waiting for them at the team hotel on a regular yeah. basis. That's obviously something that's not going to happen this year. Just an aside for fans, don't do that this year. Yeah, you're not getting in this You're not year, getting right. anywhere near that hotel. Right. Um, they come from far and near to St. Vincent's, too. Yeah, um, they come awesome. from all over the country to get there. Uh, certainly the Steelers are a national phenomenon, uh, and we do not mean to disparage any of our fans, uh, any of the fans Even that are out there listening folks. in anywhere. But uh, uh, Yeah, not surprising, Dale, but it, it's still I, – I never – It never ceases to amaze. That for yeah. Granted, I guess. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. I mean – it's just I'm listening to this call and, and okey. Okay, let's go to North Carolina. Let's go to South Carolina. Let's go to Louisiana. And they're not Jeez, all tra- anybody, they're not all transplanted Pittsburghers. North side on this call, yeah. like is there any- it's it's not all <laughs> transplanted Pittsburghers. Pittsburghers. A lot of those people have just followed the team because they've had. This is what happens when you have a lot of success over sure. a long period of time. That you know you 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 get fans. I mean right. that's that's just the reality of the situation. Um, I mean, I'm you sure have a lot of people grew up. Camp. Yeah, the, the yeah. camp situation where even if you can't get tickets or you're from, you know, a different part of the country, you can fly in and hang out for a couple of days and and see the guys up close and feel like you're part of it, like you're invested in it a little bit. It's uh, it is remarkable. 
It, I, it is, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if your formative years were in the 70s, you didn't have a team, you were taking the Steelers. I mean, same with the 80s. with the. It was the Steelers. At that point, it was the Steelers or the Cowboys. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. And you know, the Niners in the 80s, Dallas maybe in the 90s, maybe New England lately. But it's amazing that it's held up so much, too. I mean, obviously the team's been very successful, but it's passionate generation after generation. And they're on TV a lot. I mean, that's, is a long time ago. Yeah, but they're on TV a lot, as much as any team in the mm-hmm. league. Um, speaking of TV, now we saw last year the NFL draft be held virtually. Perhaps this year we'll actually get to see a live draft. The question, the question will be when that draft occurs because of the college football season being split now in two, or at least what that's what it appears that what it's going to be like this year. Um, according to the collective bargaining agreement, the draft can be held anytime between February 14th and June the 2nd. Hmm. Now, they've always had it that last week in April, at least in recent years, uh, because that works out well where, I mean, the NFL tries to have something going on about once every month. You know, they'll they'll have something new going on every month to keep, you know, keep everything kind of spread oh, out. Great a at bit. it, yeah. There's no downtime. I can't imagine coaches wanting to have that draft, even if the season, the college football season, runs longer. June second. That's that's too late for these guys. That is late because I mean, in a normal year, that's you when you're there. having mini camp. Yeah, right. Those guys are already in your building, and you know that's. You're 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 filling out your roster with what you didn't get in the draft and all that, and you don't need that much prep time. And the the problem with this all becomes as well, what does it do? We haven't talked about this. We didn't talk about this subject yesterday when we when we brought it, well, we're talking about the potential of, uh, of the college football season being moved. I think it affects free agency as well for the NFL, at the mm-hmm. NFL level um, because. You know, a lot of times you may go in and you say, "Okay, we're going. We, we didn't get this in free agency, or we did get this in free agency, so we're not going to do this in the draft, or vice versa. We got this in the draft, so we don't need to now address it in free agency." If the draft is moved back to say May, because the college football season isn't over, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that that window for free agency gets changed a little bit too. It does and not to go not ahead. to mention we talked about this yesterday. What, who's going to play college football? If you have if you have any NFL aspirations, right. you're just not going to play. Yeah, I mean you'll get new. And how do you evaluate those guys? Or... And uh, what do you, you bring in two classes at once? I, I, it's weird. It, it dawned on me though after we had that conversation last night. Look who the first overall picks have been though. This time last year, Joe Burrow was nowhere on the radar. Baker Mayfield was not even considered uh, a first round pick. Tyler Murray was a total unknown and hadn't started in a game yet. And the year before that, Goff was well-respected, but no one knew who Carson Wentz was. So could a Wentz, a, a, you know, a Burrow emerge in the spring and just be like, this guy's tearing the league up. i got to take him over Lawrence, who I haven't seen in six months or whatever, or a year and a half. Wow, that's a great point. That yeah. is a great point. I, that's – that really intrigues me. So maybe some guys will play. Right. <laughs> well, that could be the yeah, next Carson I, Wentz. You I know? think you'll see the guys some... at North Dakota State are playing, Dale. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that may be the guys who you see, the guys who are trying to, you know, I- improve their their draft stock. Um, but are the guys again? You know, we're talking about the SEC wanting to play. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, if you're playing, no offense to you, Mike, but if you're playing football in the SEC. You probably went to college with the expectation that you're going to get a chance to play in the pros. 
you were probably that's you know, a goal. A, a, a lot of those, one, right. you know, the majority of those guys on those rosters are four and five star prospects, or at least a good, a healthy portion of them. Yeah. They had the expectation that perhaps someday they were going to play in the NFL. So, are you going to put that on the line? Um, you know, are, are you going to risk that, um, knowing that you know, if I I played last year, what I put on tape was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I'm just not going to I'm not going to test it this year. And again, I, you know, how it's are they? A dangerous. How game, are they though. crowning a, a national champion? That's going to be the next question. I have no idea. Right. Will there the, be two the, of them? The first question is, why would you think I would take offense to that? Was that a shot? At well, the anything Penn? is. I'm talking. I'm talking positively about the uh, the SEC. At you know, you being a Big yeah. Ten guy, that you're just letting everybody some, have it. Have some right. SEC Jeez. envy. Right um, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know. I'm next. What you said is probably true. Similar to if you go to a Big Ten school to play quarterback you probably aspire to be the greatest quarterback in the history of football they hadn't had a first round quarterback uh from 1993 <laughs> when Kerry collins the goat, was baby until the goat Haskins. from ann arbor <laughs> right yeah the goat from ann arbor not the big 10 is not exactly pumped up uh star quarterback after star quarterback it has not <laughs> Although Kirk Cousins has done quite well, Mike. We'll the Breeze guys We'll give right. you credit for that one. Drew Breeze was a Kirk second. Kirk Cousins pick. deserves an award for playing this system. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a good quarterback. He is a tremendous signer of contracts. Yes. Uh, Michigan State education coming through. There you go. Economics 101. <laughs> Le'Veon did not take that course with him. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Actually, that Economics 101 at Michigan State's mandatory, but he just probably didn't go. And, <laughs> sad to say, they probably let him get away with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna, uh, there are going to be a lot of interesting things that come out of this. I, I mean, we're talking about a, a bunch of these things, but there are going to be things that happen that we're not even thinking of. Here's like, one. Okay. I wish, I wish that they were selling stock in XFL stock. That Dwayne the Rock Johnson just got a league at like ten cents on the dollar. That's going to have more talent flushed its direction now over these over because of all this from guys that don't get a shot this go round or don't get a good enough look next year. That you may have. I don't want to say it's a USFL situation with Reggie White and Steve Young and people like that, but you're going to have better players go into the Still XFL. doesn't mean people will watch it. I don't think – and yeah. frankly, I don't think they should. They should bubble it up, don't even worry about spectators in the stands, and just crank out pro players. Yeah, I've, I've given up on watching those uh, those fledgling, fledgling leagues when they've started just because they're not going to last. I mean, I just have no – I don't know. I think they're in a unique situation this time that they could benefit from COVID a lot. Maybe, but again, if people don't watch, they won't benefit at all. Right. Like it's you, be know, just, you can have the just best another league. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, another league with with team nicknames that don't end in S, and <laughs> they're wearing they're wearing neon chartreuse, and they come up with some real cute gimmick like. You can have a sideline reporter run down the field on a kickoff and inter- interview a guy <laughs> while he's making a tackle. And everybody's going to tune in for one week, and the rating's going to be real high. And everybody who does tune in is going to say, boy, this sucks. Next they should raffle off a spot like that every every week. They could raffle off a spot that the people in the stands, uh, if you win, you get to run down and cover a kick. <laughs> That'd be a nice The only game. one of those that I ever thought – I thought the USFL really had a niche and a good idea. And they – they couldn't stick to their plan, and uh, 
look what happened to them. But that was – I thought there was a, that was a good level of football, and I liked it in the spring, and it was a great alternative. Uh, it should not have ever, you know, tried to start outbidding the NFL for guys and, and running itself out of business. But um, ever since then, they've come and gone, and I can't even remember them, guys. Yeah. I don't know if the league will survive or not, but, I mean, just from a, a, a front office standpoint from the NFL, they're going to have to pay a lot more attention to that league. Well, I you're think. you've you're always – and you've always have been hopeful of a minor, a minor league. league right. In, in the NFL, you know, a minor league to the NFL, and that is college football. And mm-hmm. the, the problem with the with your minor league being college football is you have no control over it, no, over right. said minor league. So if said minor league just says, hey, we're going to play in the spring, you can't say a word about it. Mm-mm. Because no. that's what you've that's what you've bought into for all these years that okay you're our minor league system, and we're not going to take your players unless until they're this this far into their their career or they have to be out of school for so long all these things that they've agreed to with the NFL with the NFL and the NCAA, and now that the NCAA is saying hey we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna do this this year you're kind of at their mercy yeah and that's why I'm kind of getting butterflies in my stomach ex- with excitement that these big practice squads. They're kind of like a minor league. I can kind of groom these guys in the system, call them up at a minute's notice, get that goalie up from you need and you know, that type of thing. We haven't talked minor. about that much yet, Mike, <laughs> but how do you think that's going to work this year with those those 16 guys on the practice squad? I'm of the feeling that I don't think that there will be a lot of movement around the league on those practice Stealing squads. from other squads yeah, and stuff. that you typically see in a lot of years. For example, the Steelers got a couple of guys last year, Deion Kane, Kareth White, off of other teams' practice squads. I don't know, because of the COVID issue this year, I don't know that you see a lot of that this year. I think that's a real good point, yeah. And uh, I think that's why they're expanding them, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, keep it in-house as much as possible, and uh, that's just one less risk that uh, you don't have to worry about taking. Yeah, I mean that's kind of why I asked Mike Tomlin last week when we when we had him um, about the idea or, or how, what the process is going to be like for signing an outside veteran once the season starts. They're still going to have to go through all the testing and everything. So if you have an injury, let's say you, you're you know you're starting uh, outside linebacker goes down and you want to bring somebody in, he's gonna it's gonna be like a three or four day window before that guy can actually right. join your team. That's and that's once you identify him and get him to town. I mean, you better have one on your practice. You better have somebody ready, ready to, yeah, ready to step team. right in. And your your conversation about the specialists, I think, is an interesting one too. And I was just sitting over here thinking, maybe you tell Boswell to stay home every other day. Do you really have to be at practice? You know, well, one big special teams practice a week. Show up. Oh, absolutely that. not. Yeah. yeah, stay home. Don't get sick. Yeah. You don't have to be there when they're practicing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> they yeah. could send – actually, they could say t- tell the specialists, you guys all go over to Heinz Field and work. We're going to work over here. We actually did yeah. that a day yeah. a week at Pitt. I would take all the specialists down there because they'd want to learn the wind and whatnot. But they, nobody missed us at practice. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Lee's still in the in the NFL, so I think I helped him oh, along okay. the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. To that point, I mean, if a specialist gets hurt, you're probably not you're not keeping an extra kicker or place you know punter no. or place kicker on your practice squad. Don't you're not keeping an extra days. long snapper right. there. So yeah, tell those guys to go work out on their own. Send them somewhere else. Don't have them anywhere near high school near. field. Anything yeah. or just yeah, show up when the bus leaves. That's all you want. <laughs> I, I would never wish ill on anybody, and I hope nobody gets sick. But what if a team gets its kickers wiped out and has to go for two points all the time and gets good at it? Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. I mean, hey, the, the Steelers did it a few years ago, and, and uh, I think we're seven for 11 on two-point conversions. I mean, just every touchdown, go for two, go for two. See, I don't think that would be no that more, big a deal. It's but great until no you more lose 18, a game by a point or two. But yeah. fourth and no eight, eight when you need yard to, field goals. But fourth and eight fourth when you're th- down two with a minute left and you need to kick a field go goal and baby. can't, that's a problem. Stick it in the end zone. Play a man's game. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs punts? Well, we are playing a man's game here on the radio, um, dishing it out. Nobody's brought it back at me yet. Wes tried. Didn't work. <laughs> but uh, he is Mike Persuda. That's a Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Boy, that's, o- that, that's open to a follow-up, but I'm just going to let it sit there. <laughs> this is the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're wrapping up the day's events here. It is Tuesday. The Steelers are 10 days into uh, Training Camp 2020. Um, it doesn't seem like that because, well, it actually seems like more because we've been not covering the team. Next week, uh, this time, we will be talking about actual practices. Can't wait for that to happen. Uh, but we got one more segment here with Mike Pursuit. We're going to take a break. We'll get right to that right after this. a Neil O'Donnell uh, Van Halen story or something? Rewind exactly 24 hours ago. <laughs> Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the official radio show of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think we can, yeah. say, we can say that. Yeah. This is the training camp report. And uh, Mike uh, and Matt, I... I Wanted to ask you guys, as the Steelers uh, are starting to get more and more into their camp, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts on the team's offensive MVPs this year, the defensive MVP, and who is their uh, overall MVP this year? Who do you think that will be or should be or needs to be? So, Mike, I'll start with you. Who, who will the offensive MVP of the Steelers be this year in your eyes? I should go for the low-hanging fruit there, Dale. I'm going to go way out on a limb to get it and say Ben Roethlisberger. We say that every year. He never wins the team MVP award. He's only won it once in his career. I think last year, though, may have uh, driven the point home to everybody in that locker room that, hey, this guy's kind of important. Yeah, he's he's the guy every year. I mean, all the franchise quarterbacks are. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Brady was in when he was in New England and, you know, on down the list. I mean, that – I, I, it's boring, I guess, if you just pick them every year. But uh, we certainly figured out last year if there was one guy they could least afford to lose, it would be him. Uh, that makes him pretty valuable, I reckon. Yeah, he could have been the team MVP last year, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> Might have been the, his best way to show his value yeah. is not being there. Matt, who you got offensive MVP? I mean, that's the obvious one, and that's an easy one. And unlike other years, there isn't a Lev Bell who might be the best back in the league or certainly an AB that pretty much is the best receiver of the decade. You know, I mean, like, there's not that guy. But, I mean, this is a big asterisk if he stays healthy. But what if Connor runs for fourteen or 1,500 yards? You know, I mean, if he is in shape, stays healthy, and would certainly be the guy. And, you know, you play a little bit more small ball, and, you know, your run percentage goes up a little bit. I could see him winning the award. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, they only pick one 
uh, MVP for the year. So I, I, if I'm going to go, and I will go with Ben Roethlisberger as my mm-hmm. overall MVP jumping ahead, um, I could see James Conner being that guy as just being the offensive MVP uh, simply because they need a running game. Uh, they can't put everything on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders and expect him at age 38 with a, with a uh, surgically reconstructed elbow to, uh, to carry this team, to throw the ball 675 times like he did mm-hmm. in 2018. That's just not a sound way to play football with this team, with what you've got. Not, it doesn't protect what you have on the field. And we're in the kind of the prediction business, and obviously it's hard. But let's say something strange happens, like Juju misses 10 games and Deontay just becomes the man. Maybe he'd be the guy. Could be, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I don't absolutely. think that's super far-fetched. How about on the defensive side of the ball, Mike? Who you got over there? A few more candidates over. Cam- what do you think of Cam Hayward? What do I think of him? Th- <laughs> I'm a fan of What do work. you think of a monster year and the respect that he has – uh, on his team and around the league. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to uh, – Cam Hayward, I think, uh, pretty special player and uh, a guy that may put up one of those seasons. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, and, um, like I said, there's a lot of good candidates on that side of the ball cool. uh, that you could certainly look at and say, man, any one of these guys could be the best player on that defense this year, and you wouldn't bat an eye. Uh, who you got, Matt? Yeah, again, I mean, there's five or six names that nobody would say, well, that's crazy talk. And even a Hayden or a Nelson, what if they picked off eight passes and some of it was fluky? Or, you know, um, what if Bush takes a huge step forward and shows that he could be maybe one of the better linebackers in the league? I'm going to it. You stole mine. Yeah. You stole mine. I I think it's easy to forget. Same thought process, though, right? Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, It's easy to forget how good he was when he went down. I thought, and maybe we haven't really talked about this, Mike, but I thought at the time that he was injured six weeks into the season, I thought he was was the best player in their defense to that Mm -hmm. point. I did, too. I thought that that year in Cleveland, he, he had two of the best plays I've ever seen, and then he was out. And then he was out, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought mean, it was going to be a huge in, year. In and based out of the lineup the rest play. of the year and basically played one-armed and was still effective. I think he is a an untapped, um, just giant waiting to explode onto the scene. I yeah. mean, the, the talent is we've there. We've seen a lot of it, though. Yeah. yeah not enough for that. If but you look at his career compared to, to that of Cam Hayward, Hayward didn't start to break out as a true star until that age 25, 26, 27. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, that's the age that, that Tewitt is now coming into. Um, I mean, I, th- I think the best is still yet to come for him. The Steelers certainly hope so. But, uh, man, at one of these years he's got to put it all together and stay on the field all 16 games. I think if he can do that, uh, double-digit sacks, um, just wreck the house between him and Hayward coming up the middle, just – it could get real ugly for opposing offenses if they get those two guys going at the same time. I mean, that's a component. Yeah, those guys help each other, right? They they can play off each other, and maybe you know who who's going to have the more weeks where they get the the benefit of that. But yeah, I think uh, it's certainly got all the ability. He is a serious guy. He works hard. Uh, leadership kind of guy. Character guy. Uh, nothing that you don't like about Stephon Tuitt, except that you know you wish he was available a little more often. Uh, in recent seasons, but I that wouldn't surprise me at all if he just uh, busted out and had one of those you-can't-block-me years. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it was a very complete defense a year ago, and Hargrave had something to do with it, you know, being that the, the, the number two D lineman, but that's a component that would really take it 
another step forward with him being the player we saw. Yeah, if they had two guys on the inside who were just complete forces that they couldn't be blocked. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you defend. I don't know how on offense you attack that. I mean, it, you, you see, like, edge guys in Los Angeles, like Fowler last year, thrive because of the attention Donald gets. And I'm not seeing either one of those players would be quite the Donald's level. He's a special, special player. But if you got two player. of those guys. But you have two of them eating up three to four blocks and whatnot. TJ and Bud are going to have a lot of single one-on-ones against slow-footed tackles. Yeah, um, and we haven't even mentioned, you know, the Minka Fitzpatrick's, the, mm-hmm. those, those guys that uh, – on the back end that could have a big season as well. I mean, this this is, I think, you know, look, all due respect to the, the previous Steeler defenses that we've seen here over the last 20 years, I think talent-wise, top to bottom, this one, I'm talking just on paper with talent, has, has the ability to, to be as good as, if not better, than some of those other ones. Looks like you used seven first-round picks in a row on defense. It's what it looks like. <laughs> and yeah. you hit on them. And I talked to Bryant McFadden about that in the offseason. He said, yeah, you know, he says, I think they, they do have the ability to be special, but you can't be special until you win the Super Bowl. I don't know. He's I got mean, a point. He's got a point. It, it, the potential the is the there, but we got to see it. We got to see them stay healthy, and we got to see them play well all year long. And, uh, you know, they're certainly capable of doing both, but uh, they got to put it together. They haven't had – last year wasn't that year yet. You know what I mean? As good yeah. as they were, it was more splash than slamming the door shut every week uh, against any type of offense. Um, they, they definitely have another gear in them, I think, that defense as a group. Yeah, I'm going to be real interested to see the games against the Ravens this year when they play them, um, how they match up against that offense – uh, obviously, they don't play the Chiefs this year, but you know if they if they would happen to play them, it would be in the playoffs in the postseason. Um, I want to see how they match up against that, and we'll get an opportunity to see at least uh, you know uh, what's a close facsimile of that when they play the Cowboys, um, teams of that nature. Uh, you know, and the Cowboys to me might even pose a bigger problem. Oh, there's no answer. Because it's not like you take one thing away. Yeah, you, I mean they can run the football. You got right. you got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield in addition to those three wide receivers. So if they can if they can slow the the, the Cowboys down this year in Dallas, um, that will that will show me a lot in terms of if they're capable of of perhaps uh, you know slowing down the forty or the uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs this year. I realize the quarterback there is is playing at a different level, but. Um, I don't know that the Chiefs are going to necessarily run the football on you or run it down your throat if you shut down their passing game. Uh, yeah, nobody's ever shut their passing game down, so <laughs> let me know when that happens. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the, you know, the, the, the 49ers did a pretty good job of it for three quarters in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were sitting How long's there. the game? What's that? How long are the games? They are usually? not. Uh, they are not uh, forty minutes long. They are sixty <laughs> minutes long. Yeah. Your offense has so, to do a little bit too, as well. You can't just score twenty and hope to beat them. But I thought that the the 49ers had them frustrated offensively for three quarters of that game, and then mm-hmm. they just you know the offense just couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah, played too much defense too. Real quick, who's your rookie of the year? Their first two picks might not play much. That's going to be a tough one. That's a really hard decision. Yeah. You know, maybe we save that for tomorrow. I that is, that is intriguing. I think my pick is going to be uh, I'm going uh, to be like my I'm going to take the low hanging fruit here and go with Chase Claypool. I think he makes enough plays this year for them, mm-hmm. even if it's just getting 10 snaps a game uh, and playing special teams. I think he'll make enough plays for them 
that he wins that award. I could, because I think if he plays even an average of 10 snaps a game, I think he scores five touchdowns. How many snaps a game do you think Highsmith gets? He would be my pick probably if it more wasn't than that. Claypool. Uh, and they're both going to play special teams and probably be impact guys on special teams. Uh, Highsmith has a chance to make splash plays as Claypool right. will. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's interesting. But I, I, I got to think the, the one thing that Claypool has in his corner is Ben Roethlisberger probably knows how to take advantage of what Claypool can and cannot do. Whereas Highsmith, yeah, there'll be other defenders around him, but it's going to be on he's him. He's a little more, a little more on his own. Yeah. Um, but I think they're both going to be impactful guys. And I wasn't, you know, at the start of this whole everything's on hold uh, and, and some of the comments from Mike Tomlin included talking about how tough it's going to be for rookies, I was really taking that stuff to heart. But I think if you specialize it a little bit, okay, kid, we're not teaching you how to be X, Y, and Z. We're teaching you how to run three routes. You know? yeah, you Get do, them down. You do these things. We're going to ask you to mm-hmm. do it about ten times a game. Um, yeah. You know, maybe you're in there in, in some uh, blocking situations. Uh, and I think he can make an impact there as well. Uh, but, you know, when you get down inside the 20, I want him on the football field. I want Ebron on the football field. I want those big targets on the football field. And, oh, by the way, again, he can he can set the edge for you a little bit in those situations that uh, I think he can have an impact this year. I do. I mean, if he catches three touchdowns and plays a lot of snaps on special teams, that might be rookie of the year. It very well could be. Yeah, and, you know and I mean? that's nothing not, wrong with that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not making fun of it. Yeah, I, 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 this is not a year where I think teams are going to are going to thrive playing a bunch of rookies. No, and they don't have a first round pick and right. an obvious starter or you know. I mean, these are all going to be down the road dudes. Yeah, it's going to be uh, definitely an inter- again. I think the teams that are playing a bunch of rookies are going to be in for a long, mm-hmm. long season. Um, Fourteen padded practices is just not enough to get those guys ready no. to go. And, and I don't see either of the linemen being an impact player this no. year or, or maybe no, even I getting a helmet. No, I don't – yeah, I don't, I don't know if they get a helmet on game day. Uh, nobody mentioned Anthony McFarland, though. I thought about him. Maybe he's your number one kick returner and has a couple splash plays or Connor gets hurt. And he take, he could be the lead guy in week five. There's potential for that. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I think they've got some interesting candidates there, uh, maybe even more so – well, maybe not more than on the defense, but certainly more than the offense – um, where and we haven't even talked about the team MVP yet. Uh, I did mention Ben Roethlisberger is going to be my guy this year. He has to be the team MVP. I would assume you guys agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think again, last year showed these guys that uh, what it looks like without him, without that star quarterback on the field, and even the defensive guys now will vote for Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know that that was always the case. I think you know mm-hmm. they voted for their well, such and such, so and so on defense had a really good year. Um, it's got to be Ben Roethlisberger. But TJ might have 16 and a half sacks and be in the defensive MVP conversation. Oh, there's certainly you know that I mean? capability. Like, that's not yeah. too far-fetched. Uh, but if, even if he does that, part of the reason for that is because Roethlisberger's putting points in the board mm-hmm. and they're able to rush the passer a little bit more. Of course. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to do it for our time here with Mike Pursuta. Matt and I will be back after the break. But, uh, Mike, we appreciate you uh, stopping by as you do every day here from uh, 6 to 7 here on the Training Camp Report. We're going to let you go. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Hey, another uh, fun hour. Uh, a lot of a lot of good insights and uh, good shot at West Virginia there by Dale. So uh, I think we got all the boxes checked. See you tomorrow. No such thing as a bad shot at West Virginia. Uh, I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson. That was Mike Pursuta. We'll be back with the training camp report right after this.
Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson, and uh, we're, you're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. A little bit of Steelers news and notes from today. Uh, they activated uh, Justin Lane Justin Lane off yeah. the COVID list. That leaves them with only Jalen Samuels on the uh, COVID list at this point. Uh, they're, I guess, hopeful that, uh, that Jalen Samuels will be ready to go here at some point, and uh, hopefully uh, everything okay with him. Um, People don't seem to be sticking on that list super long. No, I, they seem to. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, you know you have to test positive or test negative. Uh, I believe at least the two or three times. I think three times. Three. Yeah, something like that to to uh, to get, get off, off of that. Of it, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, looking here, Matt, uh, we've seen some movement here in the free agent market. Uh, news yeah. that the Bengals are going to sign uh, Mike Daniels, uh, the defensive lineman who's with the Lions, a longtime Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. player as well. Uh, he's 31 years old. Give them another veteran guy. Who's, yeah, he's had a good career, right? Yeah, give them some presence there. Uh, we saw the Patriots yesterday sign Lamar Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I thought was going to happen after those opt-outs were, had ended. Yeah, yeah as it, soon as that, it's, you know, we, we got some cap room. Well, all of a sudden, we had some we have an we opening. didn't think about <laughs> yeah. when the draft was around. We had no idea this was going to occur. And there's still some decent dudes out there that have played football. You know, like Lamar Miller might help the Patriots. And Yeah, I know, mean, if you get into a game in, you know, October and you've you know, you need a guy to carry the football. Mm-hmm. I trust Lamar Miller to he, do he'd that. Be better than Sony Michelle at this point. I yeah, mean, I don't know. Uh, looking here at the available free agents, I'm looking here at the uh, NFL trade rumors list uh, of their top uh, 50 players available right okay. now. Okay, uh, Jadavian Clowney still leads that list. He's There's a couple big ones. Yeah, yeah, he's probably the biggest name guy out there. Although Everson Griffin is still out there. He's a Really good football player. They as were well. both on my top twenty-five edge list. You know, I mean, they, they could help somebody. Yeah, maybe not sixty snaps a game on Griffin, but I mean, he's a quality player still. Yeah. Uh, their number two guy available right now is Larry Warford, the guard uh, from the Saints. Okay, um, I knew they weren't super happy with him last year, but part of it was because he was making such a big contract. They yeah. just didn't think it was worth the buck. Hard to believe that in a league that has so many bad offensive lines, he can't get another job at twenty. I wonder if there's more to that. I mean. I, I'm not criticizing your list there. I just wonder if he's really the 12th best free agent, not the second. Or, you mean, know what I mean? You know, it, it but could he's be an injury issue as well. For right, him. You right. Know, we don't know. Uh, Logan Ryan's still available, and I made mention today. He he told somebody that he sees himself as more of a safety now at this point in his career. He's 29 years old. Uh, but he's certainly somebody that could help your secondary. He could. I mean, he's a quality player, not quick-footed, not a speed guy, but he's a big slot, which – the Steelers don't really have that guy, but that's a, a prominent role around the league. And you see the Malcolm Jenkins and his former, you know, McCordy's and those type of dudes, because the difference between safety and slot, big slot corner, is getting a little more blurry. Yeah. So if he's a do-it-all dude, but hey, I'm on the free agent market and I'm kind of changing positions. Like, I'm not sure that's the best time to do it. Yeah. Uh, another guy that's still available is Eric Reed of uh, safety with the Carolina Panthers. He had a rough year last year. Yeah. Um, I would not have him rank quite that high. No, I don't. I think he's more name than he is player at this point. He hasn't career. been super helpful. Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, another defensive lineman here, Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, still available, thirty-one years old. Um, those think big he's run stuffer type guys can. Uh, if I'm the Minnesota Vikings, for example, I'm yeah. calling Damon Harrison. Right. I mean, five or six of those types opted out. I would think that. He's getting calls at least. Yeah, you would think. I had heard a blurb months ago that he was thinking about retirement, so maybe he has offers on the table and just doesn't want to do it. I don't know. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, a cornerback from the Bengals on this list. Okay. He can still play some. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I mean, corners are always in demand. Yeah. 
Uh, Devontae Freeman with the uh, the running back from the Falcons. He switched still agents on, at one yeah. point too. I still mean, still on the market. Twenty eight years old. But Got some mileage on him. Yeah, right. I mean, LaShawn McCoy's recently signed, and it was odd to me that it wasn't Freeman first. Yeah. I think he might be wanting too much money. Uh, Rashad Jones, uh, the former Pro Bowl safety with the Dolphins. He's 32 years old. but um, His stock's really dropped in the last two years. Yeah. But he's been to a Pro Bowl or two, like you said. And, yeah. um, more of a box guy. More of a box guy, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, how about uh, DeMar Dotson, the offensive tackle from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? He's 34, but if you're looking for, for the Patriots, gap, yeah. Right. I mean, at least he's played. Yeah, he's not going to be. Bears, right. Yeah. I mean, give him chip help and stuff like that. A couple more uh, defensive linemen here. P.J. Hall, who was just released last week by the Raiders, and then Timmy Jernigan, uh, who's still just 27 years old. I think his is medical. He's got to be. Yeah, he's, he's had all kinds of major red issues, flags. But, right, because he's um, a good player when healthy. He can yeah. be a nose. He can be a three technique. Um, but I think he's got medical issues galore. Uh, how about Delaney Walker? He was a guy that we, we talked about uh, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. uh of the free agent market period. He's 36 years old, but was still a productive player when he's played. That's the problem. He he hasn't played much the last couple of years. But he's crafty enough. He could be that old tight end that holds on. And, you know, he was a good blocker in his day as well as a receiver. I mean, if Vance McDonald got hurt, could you, I mean, you could do worse than calling a guy like that. Yeah. That'd be the situation for 10 teams in the league. A couple of safeties here, uh, more in the list here. Tony Jefferson and Clayton Gathers. Um, Okay. I mean, they better be good. I don't know how good they are on special teams. Yeah, they're I mean, both twenty-eight at this point. Right. Yeah, um, I would. I would hope that they're both good special teams players, or they might have a while till somebody calls them. Here's some veteran guys that were high draft picks that um, play, have played in the league and a lot of snaps. Cordy Glenn, uh, who was last year with the uh, with the Bengals, and Marcel Darius, who was with the uh, the Jaguars last year. Both yeah, thirty years old. I mean, Darius was a ter- top five pick. Glenn was an early pick, like you said. There was talk that he quit on the Bengals, or there was some kind of issue there that I don't want to you know, accuse the guy, but, I mean, there was bad blood of how much you're really putting into the team here. Darius was always a little overrated to me yeah, and way overpaid, but for he's, nothing he's off not the He's not going to get overpaid now. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, last I saw of him, he could battle for the Steelers' nose job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, how about Ziggy Ansah? He is still out yeah, there. Yeah, was it the Niners that was sniffing around him? They, they brought him in, didn't sign him, uh, but still 31 years old. Yeah, it was really good for a while. Um, he's had an injury history, too. I mean, I bet that's a sticking point. Yeah. Um, how about Javian Elliott, cornerback for the uh, Carolina Panthers? Okay. I mean, he'll probably get picked up at yeah, some point. At some point. He's 27 years old. Yeah, he still has football. Um, Clay Matthews still out there. 34 years old now for Clay Matthews. Uh, he's not going to get the starting job that he yeah. desires at 34, but he could come in and help somebody. Right. I think it was you saying a couple of weeks ago that he still fancies himself as a starter and the league doesn't, apparently. Yeah. You know, it's he just, needs to be a rotational 15, 20 snap a game guy. Yeah. Uh, a couple of cornerbacks still out there. One of them, uh, Keep Tlaib, was kind of banged up last year. Yeah, he sat out the whole year. Brandon Carr's. 34 years old. I think he's, he's 34. Yeah. Wow. It's surprising that he's that old because I thought he played Yeah, he's had well a pretty decent year. career, right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys that are first-round corners would kill to have his career. Yeah. Um, it just, uh, I don't know. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens with him. Uh, Justin Britt, uh, who's a center with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He was an odd guy because he's a tall, skinny center that didn't quite have the feet for tackle, and they moved him all over the line of scrimmage, and he never really found a home. Yeah. A couple guards here that uh, next to each other here. Ronald Leary, 
Okay. Um, who's, who's now 31. Kyle he's Long. He's getting let go. And Long was uh, Long's another one that people have sniffed around. Uh, there was some rumor that the Eagles were going to go after Long went before when they Brooks brought Peters yeah. back. Yeah. I bet one of those guys gets hired, though. They've started point, a lot yeah. of games between the two of yeah, them. They're, they're, they're not that old. No, they're not over the hill quite yet. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on here, uh, Michael Kendricks got hurt late in the year yeah, last year. Yeah, right, right. Uh, he's 29 years old. He played well for he Seattle. He played well though. for Seattle. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on, but somebody wouldn't surprise me if late in camp or early in the season takes a shot at Michael Kendricks. Yeah, I mean, I kind of laugh at Seattle a little bit because they're so old-school thinking. I mean, they led the league with three linebackers on the field by a massive, massive percentage. But part of it was because they didn't have a slot corner and they thought Kendricks was one of their best 11 players. Yeah. Um, this guy might be done, uh, but if you're looking for a veteran-type inside guy that brings some leadership to your room, Wesley Woodyard was a guy yeah. I liked for a long time. Did, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, did a lot of the little stuff, uh, but he's 34 now. Um, probably not going to go. You're not, no. not going to want him to go out there and start 16 games. No, of course. But if he had to step in and fill in for a game, I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up if the Steelers signed him. Yeah. I you know, think, a yeah. veteran guy in there. To, you know, he could help Bush along and, you know, uh, spell Gilbert if, you know, the, those guys had to play. Uh, a couple of tight ends here on the list. A couple more tight ends. Luke Stoker and uh, Charles Clay. Stoker, Stoker. Yeah, Clay played okay for Arizona last year, though. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a unique guy, too. He's kind of an H-back move dude. Stalker's just a blocker. Yeah, Stalker's a blocker. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple wide receivers here, Paul Richardson and Jermaine Curse. <laughs> Richardson's had a lot of injury stuff, yeah. but he's a little fast dude. Curse probably he Curse couldn't afford to lose a step and probably lost a probably step. Probably lost a step. He's, <laughs> right, he's now yeah. thirty. Yeah, he's that's that was his game. He wasn't a separator to begin with. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some interesting names on there. Some guys yeah. that can still help football teams. That we'll see here over the next couple of weeks. I would guess that uh, several of those guys get signed as teams get mm-hmm. a better look at what they have on the field. You and I have done this for a while, and usually this time of year we're like, oh, in another thirty, you'll get cut. I don't know they will. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> These rosters are big and there's practice squads and it's not like, boy, all of a sudden, cut day, there's gonna there's all those guys are going to get scooped up like crazy. Either. And here's the thing. You're getting to – the coaching staffs are getting to see these guys on the field, mm-hmm. but they're not getting to see them on the field. Right. You're not getting – you're getting to see them, okay, he can – you know, run this drill, and he can do this kind of stuff. But what's he do when we line up 11-on-11? 11 11? Mm-hmm. They're not seeing any of that yet. I'll keep the guy last year that at least knows what he's doing, yeah. you know, and put so, some youngster on the practice And that won't happen until next week. And then by the time that does happen, are you going to want to make a lot of moves? I wonder if you'll keep some of those veteran types, and then it'll be week two or week three, and you're like, I should have cut this guy. And most years I would have. He's just not what he used to be. Boom, he's on the street. I don't know. But the, and who do you but, sign? Well, right. Yeah. And then you hope you, the young guy, your fifth-round pick linebacker, is ready to step up or whatever, which maybe have more practice time with him at that point. I don't know. It's I, just such a weird year. Predictions are so hard right now. It is. It's really hard. And, and you know, trying to figure out. It's hard to figure out the trends. How are teams coming. are going right. to handle this. Um, because there's a number of different ways they're going to go. They could go. I just don't know that. Um, you know, when, when we talked to Terrell Austin today, and we'll hear more about this later, he says, you know, with his his group and him working primarily with the guys in the secondary, he says, you know, the guys in that room have all gotten a bunch of snaps, even though guys like Edmonds and 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 uh, Fitzpatrick are only third year 
only in their third year, they played a lot of snaps. They played a lot of snaps, right. Edmonds so, so played a ton yeah, of snaps. So right. they don't need as much practice time to get ready for the season. He said that'll give us a little more time to work with some of the younger guys. Joe Hayden doesn't need a bunch of snaps. Steven Nelson doesn't a need point. a bunch of snaps. That's a good point. Uh, to get They're ready. They're professionals. They've yeah. done it. They know what to expect. They know how to prepare their body. They know what an NFL game is like. Yeah. Right. So, but so they can spend a little more time with some of the young guys. But if you're a team that's trying to get those young guys ready to play in week one, right. you don't have enough practice time. Yeah. There's just, just no way. <laughs> and just because Coach Austin and company can spend a lot of time with those young guys doesn't mean you want to throw them out on the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you day to day, and I like the progress you're making, son, but I don't want you to play football for us right now. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to see you on Sundays. You no, stay no, over no, there. No. Um, and that's just kind of the reality of the situation. Um, uh, again, I, I, I just think this is going to be such a weird season. It is. It's all going to unfold as as we kind of get through it here. And there's going to be, much like the, the college football season with the split, perhaps a split season, there are going to be things that arise over the course of this season that nobody is going to have looked at and said, well, this is a possibility. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I still can't wait for the 30 for 30 of <laughs> COVID NFL season. You know, like all the, you know, we, when we ha- they have a 10 years from now, I'm like, we never thought about this, and it changed the whole league forever and for the better. Or you know, would you believe they would play a college football season <laughs> split in two? Right, right, right. <laughs> and now we do it all the time because yeah. it worked out so well. Or you know, what a terrible idea that was. What were we thinking? You know, yeah. I have no, I have no idea how they're going to crown a national champion this year. Uh, will you? I mean, I guess it'd be one from the three division or the three conferences that are playing. I guess. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't and the hold other that question in the same is, regard. What if, what if uh, Rutgers and Penn State decide, hey, we want to play this year. We're going to play. And we want to, we're going to go join the ACC this year. We're going to do you mm-hmm. know, whatever. We're going to play an independent schedule. However it works, I don't know. If Ohio State calls the SEC up and says, hey, we want to give it a shot. Yeah, we want to be – we want to – we want a chance at the national championship. We don't mm-hmm. think our guys are going to come back in the spring. Right. I mean, uh, Because if I was a coach, that would be my first concern. I mean, I, from what I understand, Ohio State's totally loaded. I'm not a big shock there. Yeah. But and we're going to lose are all they our gonna, Yeah, they're going to be totally chance. loaded in the spring. Probably right, right, right. not. I mean, Clemson's in the ACC, and it looks like they might have a good chance to play. But Travis Etienne's not going to be there next year. And Lawrence, and, you know, there's, there's some obvious dudes they're going to be losing. I don't yeah. know. It's a, a lot of a uh, lot of things that we just uh, it's just unknown right now. A lot mm-hmm. of just uh, the whole way around from the college football season to the NFL season. Um, and Wes mentioned one thing too off the air. Maybe this leads to something better where there aren't conferences. You know maybe. what I mean? I mean, maybe we look at it and say that was kind of dumb all along. We you can still Michigan can still uh, Michigan can still play Ohio State every year. They still make their own schedules. It's not like it's the, no different. The I mean, there's there's them. conferences in the NFL. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's changes are coming. I know that. The changes are are coming. Uh, He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Stephen Nelson, and then we're going to hear from his coach, coach, Terrell Austin. We'll do that right after this. Matt, uh, we mentioned that we're going to uh, cut to the audio here of uh, yeah. Steelers cornerback uh, Stephen Nelson with the uh, media this morning. Of course, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 
is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the official radio show of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are bringing it to you here on Steelers Nation Radio. Lots of good stuff. Lots of great content. Uh, what, 11 hours a day, you told me, Wesley? Uh, yeah, we go, back, uh, to back to back to back to back to back. Back to back to back uh, from 10 to 12 with Tunch and Wolf. Then you get Wes Euler uh, flying solo at the noon hour. Matt and I jump in from 1 to 3 with the drive. Then you get Wes and Arthur Motes from 3 to 6. You get this show from 6 to 8 to kind of wrap up the day. And uh, one of the ways we like to wrap up the day is play back the interviews that were done with the media Absolutely. earlier in the day. And uh, today we talked to uh, Stephen Nelson and Terrell Austin we're going to play back Steven Nelson first. This is what the Steelers cornerback had to say. Hey, Steven. How's it going? Going Just, good. How are you? I'm not, not too bad, all things considered. Good to talk to you. Um, just defensively, obviously, you guys um, were, were, had a good season last year. We got everybody with Minka there all year. Where do you kind of see – do you have goals to be a number one defense? Is there an like explicit – you talk about that? Is there – is that the way you kind of set goals is to be a ranking or anything like that? How do you approach uh, your season that way? Right, definitely. We um, collectively, we, we all want to be um, a step better from last year. Um, I think the great thing that we have on our side is that most of our guys are back this year. You know, give us two years of play with each other, like you said, Minka. And uh, we just want to um, improve from last year. And, uh, you know, I think last year we did a great job but it's always room for, for improvement, and uh, we're all on the same page with that. Thanks, Chris. We'll move on to Mark Caboli with The Athletic. Mark, go ahead. Hey, uh, Stephen, how you doing? Um, how you doing? It might be tough for you to answer as comparison's sake, but you guys went from 15 turnover, I mean, 20, I think it was a plus 20-some turnover differential from 18 to 19. I know obviously you weren't a part of 18, but did you see when you came in, there was an extra added emphasis of putting on uh, getting turnovers and did you feel that right away? And, and how do you duplicate that this year? Yeah, like you said, man, I wasn't here in 18, but uh, definitely my first training camp, um, it was always implemented throughout our uh, practices, you know, um, something as simple as picking the ball up, like even if it's an incomplete, you know, just going for it and, uh, acting like it's a, a fumble on the ground and, you know, just creating those good habits and practice, you know, and, uh, and it'll turn over to the game. And so going forward, you know, that we, we have a, a group that we can build with, you know, just try to get better from last year. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. All right, let's go to Dale with DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, are you on? Can you hear me, Steve? Yes. How are you doing? Uh, Steve, Steve, you guys played with very few big leads last year. I think I'm echoing here. Yeah, it sounds um, like you're echoing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> you guys played with very few double-digit leads last year, more than a touchdown leads last year. What can you can that do if you're able, if your offense is able to pick up the slack a little bit more, be able to score a little bit more? How much better can that make this defense? How much more effective can you guys be with bigger leads? Yeah, I think I think we could be. Is it good? Say say that again. I'm sorry, you was cutting out a lot. Um, how much more effective can you guys be if if the offense gives you bigger, you know, more leads to work with? 
Right. Man, I, I think uh, it'll be a tremendous uh, change. I think we can we can build on that and get a lot better, you know, give uh, the other team will feel like they have to, you know, put the ball in the air or whatever they might, whatever that may be, and, you know, gives our big guys a front to rush, you know, get a sack, sacks, get strip sacks, and, um, you know, on the back end, we'll, we'll be able to get interceptions. And so I think that'll, it'll, it'll, it'll work hand in hand for us. Thanks, Dale. Let's go to uh, Rich Walsh with KDKA. Rich, are you on? Yeah. Hey, Steve, I wanted to ask about you personally. Um, you've had a couple great seasons. Do you ever feel underrated at all? And what kind of an impact do you think you make personally on this defense? Yeah, to answer your question, um, I, I definitely feel like I'm underrated. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way as well. Um, and this year, you know, my one of my goals is just to be recognized as one of the better corners in the league. Um, and just my role on this defense, just being a, a professional veteran guy that's going to come to work, you know, and uh, do my job, you know, so we can all, you know, reach that same goal. Thank you. Thanks, Richie. We'll uh, move on to Brooke Fryer, ESPN. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Steve. Um, you know, I, I know that corners are in a position like the line where you're necessarily in somebody's face every play or something like that. But I was curious for you personally, what was the decision like to decide to opt in this year with COVID going on and everything? And do you have any concerns about playing just given the way everything's going so far? Right. Uh, my, my personal decision was, uh, you know, I, I just love the game so much. And, you know, that's not to knock anybody else that did opt out. You know, people do have like very serious, you know, concerns with, within their families. You know, I just been, you know, fortunate enough to not have, you know, those type of issues. And uh, you know, I've been, I think it's a blessing to be able to, you know, opt in this year with everything going on. So, yeah. Thanks. All righty, let's move on to Ed Bouchette with the Athletic. Ed, are you on? Hi, Stephen. Yes, I am, Michael. Um, uh, Thank you for doing this. Um, what was last year your best season? Um, and assess your overall secondary for me. Right. Um, I think it's funny. So my, I think it was what, 2018, I, I had four interceptions, but I gave up a lot. Um, so statistically, you would say 2018 is my best season, but the last year, I mean, I didn't give up a touchdown. Um, and there was a lot of other uh, like small details in, in the stat line that would probably make a good argument. But, you know, um, the secondary overall, like we just have good guys from top to bottom. I mean, uh, starters and non-starters, you know, guys come in and play. Like we have uh, Mika, you know, back there. We saw what he did last year. We still got uh, Joe, who, you know, is still balling at a very high level. Um, Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, you know, those those guys are very uh, skilled at what they do on the inside. And uh, Terrell Edmonds can uh, give you a versatile look as well. So, you know, we just, you know, we just got a lot of guys that, you know, can get out there and make plays. Thanks, Ed. Let's move on to Jerry Dulac with the Pulse Gazette. Jerry, go ahead. Uh, Steve, uh, good morning. Um, you mentioned uh, wanting to, uh, I improve on defense or go to that next level. Is there one 
aspect of the uh, defense that needs to improve to get to that next level? And as a, as a kind of a follow-up, was there a time last season when you first noticed that teams start stop trying you, stop throwing in your direction? Right. So, um, <laughs> so the first the first question, um, I think you know one thing we can always improve on is communication. Uh, we we lacked that a little bit last year, even though uh, you know we had great numbers and you know we were able to you know have a successful defense in um, some people's eyes. But like I said, we can always improve communication. I feel like is uh, very key to being a great defense overall. And um, yeah, I did kind of notice that probably like in the middle of the year, um, wasn't getting as many targets. Um, if I did get a target, it was just, you know, I felt like it was an opportunity, opportunity for me to get the ball. So. Um, this year, I hope that changes. Thanks, Steve. Let's move on to Jeff Hathorn with 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, obviously, we're used to being able to being at camp and watch the energy and see how you guys are getting along. What's it like right now from an energy camaraderie? I mean, how are you guys dealing with that part of it? Oh, it, it's a... It's, uh, it's it's very it, it, guys guys are glad to be back you know guys have uh, missed being around each other you know we, we didn't have the OTAs period so the energy is definitely there um, one thing about Pittsburgh is like a brotherhood man and uh, so we we've always kept in contact throughout the off season so it's like we're, we're just meeting back up. Thanks Jeff. We'll move on to Mike Prasduda, BBE. Mike, go ahead. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, it, it looked like teams started staying away from Fitzpatrick as last year progressed as well. What did you attribute that spate of turnovers he came up with? And what do you guys have to do as a defense to try to get him around the ball more this year? You said what? Say that again, the first question. The, the first five, six, seven weeks, Fitzpatrick mm -hmm. was getting the ball every week. Mm -hmm. And then teams went away from him. How do you mm -hmm. get back to getting him more around the football? Right. Uh, I think that's that's a question for coaches, man. But, you know, uh, Mika is a very smart player, uh, very intuitive when he's on the field, works hard. So I think um, he's going to work his tail off to, you know, be around the ball regardless, you know? Gotcha. All right, let's move on to Andrew Stocky, WTAE. Andrew, go ahead. Thank you very much, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, the offense puts up some points and makes your job somewhat easier when you're playing with a lead. But how important is it for you and this defensive group to go out there and set the tempo each, each game? Not worry about what the offense is doing, but go out there, be dominant, and set the tempo and you know maybe even put points on the board. Right, that, that's our whole motto. We, we, uh, to clear that up, uh, we don't really look for we don't look for the offense to to score points. We we go out there every day and, and we feel like we we're going to score points. You know, we want to get in the end zone, and get turnovers. You know, that's our mindset. You know, we don't try to piggyback off anybody. If that makes sense. Stephen, thank you. All right, we'll go to Jenna Harner with WPXI. Jenna, go ahead. Stephen, thanks so much for taking some time here. 
a lot of the athletes we've kind of talked to over the last couple weeks or so have kind of said that getting back on the field really does give them that sense of normalcy with everything that's going on right now. For you guys, how much of uh, I guess mental kind of escape is that knowing that you're kind of getting into some sort of routine when everything's been so disrupted around you guys? Right, and it's been great, you know, like just being at home and being quarantined, you know how that can get. And uh, guys were getting very anxious, you know, uh, with everything we were going through leading up until the report date. So I think when guys got in the building, it's just, it is a sense of uh, like relief, you know, it's uh, it's therapeutic, you know, when, once you get to get in your routine and you just have something to look forward to, like, oh, wow, like we're actually doing this, you know, we can do this, you know, and uh, I think so far, like, um, the NFL has been doing a great job with taking care of guys. Thanks, Jenna. We'll move on to Noah Strackbeam with Sports Illustrated. Noah, go ahead. Hey, Steven, thanks for doing this. Um, going back to you being underrated, you know, obviously you feel you are, you've been talking about that on social media all off season. How do you feel you, Joe, and Mike as a trio are underrated? I mean, last year, Joe was the only one to make a Pro Bowl and that was as a reserve. Yeah, um, I mean, we we, are, we 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 all are feel that way. We all feel like underdogs. Um, I just think that gives us the extra chip on our shoulder. Um, we're not um, the type of guys to be satisfied with, you know, the previous season. So we've been all working hard to uh, try to get a uh, you know recognition. And like I say, like we work hard. We're we're, uh, we're all making a, a a great statement for our team. Thank you. Thanks, Noah. Let's go to Hugh Ringer with 96.7 Sports. Hugh, are you on? Can you hear me, Stephen? Yes. Stephen, you're not the biggest uh, cornerback in the National Football League, certainly. Uh, some teams have tried to pick on you at times rather unsuccessfully, but uh, how do you overcome in a way your lack of size uh, and physicality, perhaps uh, extra film study? Uh, what kinds of things do you do? Uh, I don't think I'm that small. I'm like 5'11", uh, 190, you know, average size for a corner. I don't know why people keep saying that, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of big receivers out there. And, uh, you know, when they see when you have a 6'5 guy against a 5'11 cornerback, you're going to try to, uh, you know, feed that guy the ball. But, you know, just having experience to answer your question, I have a lot of experience in film study. Um, I do feel like I'm quicker than a lot of bigger guys, so I can pretty much beat them to the spot. And with film study, you know, that gives me an edge on that. All righty, we have time for just one more. We'll go to Aubrey Bruce with the Sentinel. Aubrey, if you're on, go ahead. That was Steelers corner Stephen Nelson uh, earlier today with the media. Um, seems to be loosening up a little bit. He was, you know, I had some conversations with him. Uh, I had to do a program piece on him last year, and it was a little like pulling teeth. I felt a little mm -hmm. like I was doing a little dentistry there. Okay. Uh, but he loosened up as the season went on. It seems like now he's even more comfortable 
um, in this uh, environment. Um, you never know. Well. Yeah, you never know what you're getting when guys come in from another team, how they were treated uh, by the media or, or fans in that city. Uh, but I think everybody in Pittsburgh has a pretty good appreciation of Steven Nelson and his talents. It certainly exceeded expectations. I thought it was a nice pickup, and corners are expensive, and he's pretty pricey. But that's what starting, starting corners go for. He's a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> when he plays the way he played last year, he is a bargain. Uh, as he said, he wants to take the ball away more in 2020. Uh, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. When we come back, we'll hear from position coach uh, Terrell Austin. He'll talk about Steven Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, and a lot more right after this. Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Matt, the uh, Steelers added uh, position coach Terrell Austin to the mix uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was here and emphasized turnovers, and lo and behold, they got turnovers. They got turnovers, yeah. I think he's – I call him a young coach. I remember when he was actually at Michigan as a young coach, and everyone was talking about him then and has local ties, obviously. Um, but I think he's a great addition to the, to the, the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a uh, bright, uh, bright guy, brings mm-hmm. a lot of new ideas, fresh ideas to the, to the equation. And it's just a, a different set of eyes. A guy who's played against the or who didn't play against the Steelers, but coached against the Steelers as mm-hmm. a member of both the uh, the coaching staffs in Baltimore and Cincinnati. So Good it gives point. you gives you some insight too on how those organizations think of, feel about your your franchise as well. Yeah. Well, this is how we used to attack you. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't come up the Steeler way. You know, I mean, he came up his own way, and now he's adding in from an outsider's point of view. But uh, I think it's great. Yeah. So let's hear what uh, what Terrell had to say today. We'll get started here with Brian Bacto of the Post-Gazette. Brian, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Terrell? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. How are you doing? Good. Um, I think when we talked to you after the draft, uh, specifically when you guys took Antoine Brooks in the sixth round, you said we'll just have to kind of get all those guys, those versatile players in your secondary, shake them up and, and see where they fit best. Uh, mm-hmm. After having them in the classroom all off season and now getting a little bit of interaction uh, with him and some of the other uh, newer guys. I mean, do you have a better feel for uh, responsibilities or assignments or, or how uh, some of your safeties can be used the best? Uh, not quite yet because we haven't seen them move around, but I think learning-wise, I think you have an idea uh, that, that they can learn. And uh, so that's a good thing. And I think once we uh, get going, uh, because of the unusual offseason uh, that it, that we've had, uh, I don't think we're going to be double teaching a lot of new guys and doing some different things. So we'll probably just kind of keep our guys uh, strapped into one position and let them learn. Uh, the veteran guys may get some more, but the newer guys, he'll probably just get strapped into probably a safety-type position and, and, and go from there. Thanks. Yep. All right, let's move on to Tim Benz with the trip. Tim? I wondering about uh, actually two guys – Terrell, if that's okay, uh, the first of which is Cam Sutton. Uh, do you see yeah. him on a larger role this year? And if so, where exactly? And when it comes to Edmonds, what can you do to uh, maybe get him around the football more often? Uh, the first one with Cam Sutton, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Cam will have an expanded role, I would think, in terms of, you know, he still uh, plays some nickel for us. He plays some dime for us. He plays a lot. plays corner for us. He's played some safety for us. So, uh, he's got a lot of versatility, super smart guy. So uh, I think we'll just carve out his role as it goes during the during the season. 
and um, and we try to get him in there as many times as we can because he is a really good pass defender and he has a great feel for the pass game. Uh, as far as carving out a separate type of role, uh, no, I don't think so. I just think we just try to give him a little bit more of what we did last year uh, in some of those instances. Uh, for T. Edmonds, uh, I think he knows that, and we know that uh, he, he's a good football player. We just got to get him a little bit more ball production. And so we'll, we'll spend our, uh, you know, as we get going here in terms of uh, catching the ball, getting around the ball, stripping the ball, uh, fumble recoveries, all those things, and we'll just continue to practice them. I'm sure they'll come. Uh, because the kid works hard, he's around the ball, he's always available, he's out there every snap, and, and those things will come. So the biggest thing we got to do is just continue to work on it, uh, and, and when he gets near the ball, to just to, to make sure he has that production that we need, because that's really the only thing that was that was lacking out of his game last year was the fact that you didn't see very much ball production. But other than that, the guy is always around the ball, he's a good player, he's a good leader, he's a great teammate. Thanks. Yep, thanks, Tim. Let's move on to Jeff Hathorne with 93.7 The Fan. Jeff? Hey, Terrell. Appreciate you doing this. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm just wondering for the depth that you have, how do you feel overall about the depth in the secondary, and how do you try to get them reps without preseason games? How do you try to make up for that lost experience? Well, I think um, – we do have an experienced group, and uh, the nice thing is, I think some of our uh, veteran guys, you know, when you've played a lot of a lot of snaps, sometimes you don't need as much warm up, and so we'll get them what they need to be ready, and then I think that gives us an opportunity to have some extra reps for some of the younger guys that we're trying to train and trying to give them some looks. So I think there's going to be enough reps in there. Is it ideal? No, but that's kind of where we are right now. And we're going to make the best of it, and I think our guys will, will make the best of it. But that's really what we're doing. I think, uh, you know, Joe Hayden doesn't need 500 preseason snaps. Uh, Steve Nelson doesn't need that. Uh, Minka and, and T.E. don't need all those snaps. They, those guys have played a lot of snaps in the last couple of years. And so we, got, we just have to make sure we get those guys ready so when we step out on the field in, in game one, those that group is ready. But also uh, spending some of this camp to being able to develop and identify which of our young guys – will be backups in which, you know, to provide depth for us. Thanks, Jeff. We move on to Mike Brazuda with DVE. Mike, go ahead. Hello, Terrell. How you doing? Hey, Mike. With Fitzpatrick, he had so many turnovers right away, and then he didn't get very many at the end. To what extent did you see teams avoid him, and are you guys – trying to scheme up ways to get him around the ball more in response to that. Obviously, he's, I think he's a phenomenal football player. Um, checks all the boxes. Um, made a lot of, actually, like you said, a lot of turnovers early in teams, tried to stay away from him. And I, I think that's just a testament to when you're a good player, a lot of times you don't get all that action. And so I think what we'll do is uh, we'll maybe be able to move him around a little bit more, you know, because what you – you know, getting them week three like we did last year is a little bit. Uh, you're just trying to throw them in and just trying to make sure that we get lined up and all that other stuff. Um, but I think this offseason has been helpful for us and for him and for the group because we've been able to talk some things out uh, and really get down into the details of, of, of our defense. And I think that will give him a little bit more ability to maybe show up in a couple of different positions than he was last year, uh, which will help him get around the ball a little bit more.
and Thanks. keep that, that, that production. Thank you. All right, let's go to Dale Lally with DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, are you on? I'm on. Um, hey, Terrell, uh, when you look at uh, last year, I added it up. You guys had a more than a touchdown lead last year, uh, just over 100 minutes of, of, of gameplay last year with, with more than a two-touchdown lead, but you were st- or more than a one-touchdown lead, but you were still able to get so many turnovers. Uh, can it be even better if your offense provides you with more you know, a little more firepower there that, that, that you guys can actually get after the ball a little bit in terms of the guys up front and maybe the, the opposing teams have to throw the ball more at you guys? Yeah, I think that's always uh, – when you're playing with the lead and, and you know that teams are one-dimensional, then your uh, ability to get turnovers, I think, increases. And so uh, if that happens, uh, that'll be great. If it doesn't, then it's our job to get the ball back in these tight games, and, and, and we're going to try to get after that ball no matter what. So I think uh, – our guys are determined uh, to make sure that we play better than we did last year and, and, and get more turnovers and be more impactful on the games than we were last year, and that's really our charge. But, yes, to, to answer your question, uh, if you are playing with the lead and, and they have they are one-dimensional, your, op- your, your opportunity for turnovers goes up. Let's go to Ed Bouchette with The Athletic. Ed, good. Um, how does this – secondary compared to the ones you had in Baltimore acknowledging you had a Hall of Famer down there? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities, uh, you know, and not to get into player by player, but I think there's similarities in terms of how our guys communicate. Um, I think the one thing that I, that that's very uh, similar is I think both of those secondaries, uh, they're really good problem solvers. So, you don't see a lot of the same mistakes happen twice. Uh, they're able to fix things during the course of a game. And I think that's, that's one of the uh, – th- those are something that's really, really good to have as a coach because then you're not sitting there trying to fix everything. Those guys, they know when they made a mistake. They know what they did wrong. They know how to fix it. They know when something's good and working and when to use it. And so I think those are those are two real good similarities that between the two secondaries that, that, that I've had, that I see, excuse me. Let's go to uh, Brooke Pryor with ESPN. Brooke? Hey, T.A., you know, you mentioned that having veterans, they don't necessarily need all of the the normal preseason snaps that they would get because they have the experience. How much does it help to have those veteran guys to teach some of the younger ones in this case when they've had an abbreviated offseason and you maybe can't get in front of them as much as you would like to? How much are you kind of relying on some of these, you know, uh, extra workouts that they've done in the off season away from everybody or them just talking amongst themselves to, to teach each other. Uh, it's invaluable. I think that, uh, good veteran leadership, you can't have enough of that in your room. And I think we have that, uh, with, you know, Joe's a veteran, Steve's a veteran and, you know, Minka and TE are younger guys, uh, but, but they've played a lot of snaps. So they, they actually, you know, they give back, to the guys in there so that we all, we're all on the same page. And I really think that's something that uh, the veterans do. And when you have an unselfish group of veterans, they're really going to pull the young guys along because they know in the long run, we're only going to be as good as, as all of the guys in the room. So they want these young guys to reach their potential. They're not trying uh, to not give them information, let them learn it on their own. They want them to be really good. And they want them to be, 
to be so good that they're pushing the vets because they know that makes us, that gives us a chance to be the best team. That was Steelers uh, defensive and assistant uh, secondary coach Terrell Austin earlier today with the media. Uh, lots of good stuff there, Matt. Uh, but that's going to do it for the training camp report today. That's a wrap. That was fun. That Maybe was we, a wrap. We'll, we'll be back again tomorrow, uh, of course, from 1 to 3 with the drive and then from 6 to 8 again with yeah. the training camp report. Two days are in full. full yeah, we're working <laughs> two days here. We're, we're hard at work. Uh, for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Mike Persuda, who joins us in the first hour, and for Wesley Euler, who here, is here keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio.